0: Homeschool Expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast. Hi, friend, and welcome to Homeschool Expert. Today, we're going to do something different. My special guest today is you i have gotten some fantastic questions from those of you out in our homeschool expert community about what it was like to be homeschooled what i loved about it what i wish my parents had done differently and what in the world makes me a homeschool expert so i thought i would take those questions here and host a short podcast with you as my guest on the show so please continue to send in questions i love it we'll use that to host more podcasts in the future But for the time being, let's tell some stories. This will be fun. So... Some of you may have read um, in my book, Homeschool Like an Expert, or even if you haven't, I was homeschooled. And it was one of those things that was not on my parents' radar early on. In fact, it was barely legal in the state of Arizona where I grew up for part of my childhood. What pushed my parents into homeschooling, and mostly my mom, if I'm honest, is that I was in a very toxic school environment. Now, I am not an anti school person. Um, I'm actually a former public high school English teacher. I believe that there are a Lots of great ways to get an education, and homeschooling is just one of them. But for me as a child, my school situation was not a healthy one. I was in a school where the teacher regularly ridiculed students in front of the entire class. So there was a couple examples. There was one day where she had students stand up if their parents were divorced, and then she publicly shamed them. Um, there was another day where she expressed what her own faith was and said if other students didn't follow her faith, all of us were condemned to hell. Um, it was a really rough place to have an education as a first and second grader. And after a couple years of watching my personality change, watching my love for learning decline, my parents put all the pieces together and realized what was going on and, and pulled me out of school. Um now, for, for good or not, my parents didn't have a lot of financial flexibility at that time. Uh, Dad was a full-time pastor of a small local church, and mom was home working full-time with us kids, and so um, we couldn't really afford anything else. And so mom asked to bring us home uh, to homeschool. She started out by homeschooling me. Dad was a little bit nervous about it, but decided to let her go for it for a year because after all, it's second grade, and what could go wrong? <laughs> so. Um, Mom brought me home, and within that first year, she did such a great job taking me back to the basics, um, using it as a time to be healing and to really find my love for learning again, to explore books that I loved and to not have to be afraid about going to school anymore. And at the end of the year, when I took my state exams... Um, not only had I met all of the benchmarks, but I exceeded them by multiple grades. And so when dad saw those results, he came on board fully, um, was really excited about homeschooling. My brothers from that point on, two younger brothers, also became homeschooled. And um, we all learned at our own pace. Um, Certainly there were requirements and standards we needed to keep up with, and we took state tests every year, but uh, mom started homeschooling us. Now, mom is is my hero in a lot of ways in the story because she took a lot of flack in the beginning. You know, my dad was was semi-supportive, as I said, in the first year um, and became more positive as the years wore on. But a lot of relatives stepped in and really criticized mom. People in the community stepped in and said, you know, things that we, the questions we weren't even asking them, like, what do you think of whether or not I should homeschool my kids? Uh, they just stepped in and offered their, their um, unrequested opinion, neighbors, random people in the grocery store, right? And they would in front of us as kids say things like, oh, you're going to create social misfits or your kids are going to be wallflowers or your kids are, you're creating round pegs for square holes or the reverse square pegs for round holes. But this constant critique that mom was going to destroy our futures, wreck our lives by homeschooling us. And again, this was late, mid to late eighties at this point. Um, So she was very brave because she looked at what our needs were as kids. She looked at her own qualifications, which she had a college education, but no teaching background and none of it was in, you know, an education based degree program. And she said, you know, I think I can manage third grade math. I'm really confident I can teach a book report. I believe I can teach spelling at an elementary level. Let's take it a year at a time, see what the kids need and See what's best for them, and um, so despite a lot of discouragement, mom plowed forward and did that. Some of the the naysayers were relatives, and it was really painful for her to have you know at times her own parents or in laws, um, which who are all no longer with us, uh, but but back in the day would come in and really criticize her work. So much so that when my last grandparent um, passed, when my grandfather died, he left a note found among his other belongings saying how much he appreciated my mom actually stepping out to homeschool us, how impressed he was with how we developed as individuals and adults and citizens and our minds and et cetera. And he really praised her um, as one of his final notes that he wrote before he died, which meant so much. And so while I realize the weight of that may or may not Fall on you, you know, dear friend, as you're listening. I'm sure you can imagine after 10 or 20 years of feeling like you're a, a bullseye for people's criticism for how you're educating your kids to have those same people come back around and validate the work is so meaningful. So that's sort of the environment in which we were educated. Um, Homeschooling definitely wasn't celebrated. It definitely wasn't normal. It was kind of like spotting aliens where people had heard about them but never really seen them. So when we would go to the grocery store with mom, um, one of the games we enjoyed was surprising people with the fact that that we were homeschooled. So we would just be out running errands like normal and standing in line and the person behind or in front would, you know, probably some el- nice elderly person who's retired and home during the middle of the day to go grocery shopping would start talking with us and, a- and asking us questions about what we're learning in school and if we like our teacher and, uh and you know, what we like to do outside to play. And we would just talk to these other adults, you know, we're eight and 10 and five and a whole range of ages. And at some point in the conversation, this adult would Undoubtedly, turn to my mom and say, You have such nice kids, or your children are so polite, or what bright children. And I'm not saying this to pat my five year old self on the head, okay? I am saying this because it was fun because we would wait for the second part, which is the adult would say to mom, Where do your children go to school? And my mom would say, They're homeschooled. And the person's jaw would drop and like they don't even know what to say at that point because they because everyone had heard such negative things about homeschoolers that to finally see them in real life was stunning and to see that they were completely opposite to what everyone else was saying they would be was doubly stunning um so it was one of our fun things with that cherry on top sort of statement where mom would say they're homeschooled and and we just loved meeting new people and hearing their stories and um getting out in the world. So it was a regular part of our day. One of the ways my parents actually expanded our worldview was bringing a lot of people into our home who came from all different backgrounds so that we could hear their stories and learn from them and ask them questions and practice all these real life social skills of not just hanging out with someone our own age, but hanging out with people who are years apart from us and sometimes decades apart from us and understanding who they are as people. And so when I look at you know the five things I loved about homeschooling, that was one of them, really developing relationships um, with others out in my community that reflected the kinds of relationships I would have as an adult. It's pretty unrealistic for me to expect that that. My children will only ever speak to someone six months above or below them the rest of their lives. And yet so often we put our kids in classrooms with only students their age. Now, I understand why. Again, I'm a former teacher. I get the practical logistics of sort of clustering kids um, in a way that's going to make it feasible to teach content. But in terms of social skills, it's such a rich experience to really get out and rub elbows and serve alongside people from all different backgrounds and age groups. So that was a really sweet spot to me about homeschooling. When I think about other things I loved about homeschooling, one, was, a second one was the chance to explore subjects outside of the norm. I loved going to our library and I still remember the day I wandered out of the kids section over into the adults, you know, massive stacks and stumbled upon the upon the biographies and found a biography of Bach and a biography of Vivaldi and Mozart and began listening and reading through one major Western composer, classical composer after another, reading their biography, tracking down their music, listening to them both side by side. This would have been like maybe fifth grade. I loved the way it was so holistic, diving into content and discovering it for myself um, and not worrying about whether or not it was cool, what sort of assignment went along with it. This was something I was doing for the love of learning. And so that's the second key point that I love to emphasize with parents considering homeschooling is this is a chance to really foster curiosity in a new way and encourage your kids to, to apply what they're learning about history or about writing in a completely new subject matter that they may not have had in school. A third thing I loved about homeschooling was the flexibility in our schedule. We got to take trips as a family, um, in, in the off season, which made it a lot more affordable. I remember going to Disneyland one time in my childhood and it was just after Splash Mountain had been invented and, and installed, which will tell you you know, where I am on the age spectrum. And so this was, it had just been put into the park. It was only a few months old and we went, I want to say like October. So the weather was beautiful middle of the week and we had to wait all of five minutes in line to, to ride the ride, whereas people have been waiting hours um, in the summer to do the same. And so the ticket prices were more affordable, the hotels were cheaper, meals, lines were shorter. Uh, all that made it possible for our family to take trips or to go up and, and camp through Canada for a couple weeks, um, which we did one time. So, In terms of like trips or getting away as a family, that became affordable and flexible and really meaningful for us. Secondly, we were able to rework our week. So my dad's work schedule, he actually worked weekends and he would take Fridays off and so we you know, shifted our lessons so that we could also take Fridays off with him. Now, taking Fridays off <laughs> most often meant we were doing yard work a significant portion of the day or as a kid, it felt like it was probably only like an hour in retrospect. But um, we would take Fridays off to either go on a hike or do yard work or hang Christmas lights on the house or go help a neighbor stack firewood or whatever needed to be done. And again, ways that we could be together because we were able to align our schedules. A fourth thing that I loved about being homeschooled was the opportunity to be friends with my siblings. Now, most assuredly, there are sandpaper days where the more time you spend with any one human being, the more we're going to rub up against each other and find, you know, small ways that we disagree and sometimes big ways that we disagree. But even setting that aside for just a moment, we knew each other better than anyone else, and it shows in our friendship even today. We have a level of trust and history together of shared memory and shared experience that is so sweet, and that someday when my parents pass and are no longer with us, my memories are going to stay alive in my brothers as well because we shared so many of them together growing up and there's a you know a joke or a line or a do you remember when that we we can immediately go back to together because we learned together we grew up together um and and so much of it was at home um we rescued all kinds of animals growing up we lived on a river And we're constantly out building forts and having mud fights and finding you know abandoned eggs and bringing them in to to nurse them until they hatched and then raising ducks in the house. I mean, mom put up with a lot, (laughs) but um, it meant that my siblings and I could do life together and explore life together. We certainly had friends outside of our family group, but honestly, we've lost touch with a lot of those friends, as is typically true, right? So few of us actually keep up with our elementary friends or our middle school friends or even our high school friends. It's, it's only a couple of college friends even that, that people keep up with. Uh, but family is forever. And that's what we teach our kids even now. Family is forever. It's good to have friends outside the family. It's important. But all the more important to learn how to love the people w- that we're with day by day, Because if we can learn to love and be kind, listen to, and respect the people we're with day by day, everybody after that's easier, right? The hardest thing to do is to have healthy relationships at home. Um, And so that's a big part of the social learning for us growing up and even now with my kids, um, showing them how to uh, treat each other the way they want to be treated and be a good friend on a day-to-day basis. The fifth thing I loved about being homeschooled, and again, there are more than five things, but I'm, I'm going to try to you know bullet point these for you. So five I loved, and five I would change. The fifth I loved was the innocence of childhood. Again, mom and dad rescued me out of what turned out to be a pretty toxic learning situation, where frankly, a kid can't learn if they're under stress. Uh, this is proven time and time again in studies that when we are under stress and in fight or flight mode. The brain just cannot retain long-term memory the way it could if we are in a more relaxed state. So to be at home, to enjoy that innocence of childhood, to grow and learn at my own pace, to not be forced into adulthood culture or fads or political concerns prematurely, but to really develop my own tastes and my own identity and my own beliefs outside of 40 hours a week of peer impressions was hugely valuable and it showed when i got to high school because i had i had created a perception of the world or my own beliefs or my place in it and that when we entered into discussions in high school classrooms or debates or conversations i knew my viewpoint or i was willing to test my viewpoint because it is something i had already been thinking through whereas for a lot of my peers they would sit in the room and look around at each other trying to see what else someone would say before they would chime in there was there was a nervousness of self expression that um that I, Maybe I was completely naive, but uh, I just didn't have because I was—I felt confident in who I was and what I thought. And so I loved that innocence of childhood, that it was protected. Um, I certainly wasn't bubble wrapped from real life. As I mentioned before, mom and dad brought a lot of people in to stay with us and, and not just for meals. There was a time when mom and dad hosted a young woman who was um, pregnant and had no place to live and no family or spouse. And so she lived with us. For multiple months until she could find work and get herself her own apartment. And then we made sure she had what she needed when her baby was born. And that was a very real um, picture of life and some of the challenges of life living right there in our home. She was a complete stranger prior to moving in, and mom and dad took her in. So um, there are a number of stories like that for me as a child that the world is a very real place. Uh, and a a very sad place. Sometimes I had a grandmother with Alzheimer's and we would make regular trips to visit her long after she couldn't remember who we were and try to find ways to engage with her, um, taking in bags filled with trinkets or baubles or, you know, random therapy tools that she could dig through and pick out. And sometimes her eyes would light up and she could say a few words and other times she would drift off and, and learning as a child, how do you comfort and care for someone, who doesn't really even understand what that is. So when I say innocence of childhood, it's not to say that, that we thought the world was made of bubble gum and rainbows. We knew that there was pain and suffering in the world, but we were still allowed to be children in that world. And we didn't have to be adults and solve adult problems. We could learn as kids. And I loved that. And honestly, that's those are, those are gifts that I wanted to give my kids. Um, As I was being homeschooled, I was thinking about the the someday kids I might have and wanting to give that same gift to them. So before I tell you the five things I wish that we'd done differently, um, I'll tell another story here briefly, which is when my husband and I started dating, uh, I was 17 and he was 18. We had met at a national speech and debate tournament, if you can believe that. We were competitors. He likes to say it was the last argument he ever won. Um... Which is not true, but he loves to say it nonetheless. Uh, Anyway, um, we were at that competition and we spent years writing letters and visiting each other back and forth because we attended different colleges for the first few years. But in the course of all those conversations and talking about our futures and what we dreamed of, I brought up um, among many topics, one that I thought I would like to homeschool my kids someday. Well, that was almost a deal breaker. Uh, in the beginning, I think for him, at least he, he was pretty against it. He goes, Anne, um, homeschoolers are weird. And I said, you do know that I was homeschooled, right? And he said, yeah, well, present company, you know, mostly <laughs> excluded. But he goes, like, homeschoolers are weird. And I said, okay, well, how many homeschoolers do you know? He said, well, I don't know any, but I've heard that they're really weird. I said, okay, I've heard that homeschoolers are weird too. So here's what I would ask you to do. And to with much respect, just as, you know, I respect Josh for having... His own beliefs. I also respect him for being willing to test them, and so he uh, was willing to go back to his college campus. He was in North Carolina at Duke University, and he was willing to get to know some homeschool families in his community. I helped him uh, connect him, or actually, I don't even help connect him. I suggested to him how he could find them, and he tracked some down and got to know them and spent the next, I don't know, six to twelve months um, going to dinner at their house, helping babysit their kids, driving their kids places. Uh, just doing life with them to sort of understand uh, not only what it was like to to be a homeschooled kiddo, but also as a college student, have, you know, nice home cooked meals and be in other people's homes and get to know some great adults in the community. And at, after doing that for quite some time, he came back to me and said, you know, Ann, I really like these kids. They, they're such great kids. And I said, good. What do you like about them? And he said, well, they love to learn. He's like, you should hear the nine-year-old talk about Tolkien. It's incredible. And they don't mind discussing things with me, even though I'm a college student. It doesn't make them feel uncomfortable or they're not nervous. Like They'll talk to me even though I'm so much older than them. And they don't care if there's a swoosh on their shoes or Adidas stamp or whatever. that they, they don't care what fad they're wearing or not wearing. Uh, they'd rather go play and and they're real kids, and I really love that about them. And I—that's when I jumped in and said, "Yeah, that's what I love about them too. They're—they're they're homeschooled, and a lot of those are indicators of being homeschooled." And so at that point, Josh, um, very generously, was willing to give it a go. And our motto as a family has been one year at a time, where every year we reevaluate each kiddo. We have four kids right now; they're ages eight. 10, 13, and 15. And every year we look at their state scores. Our state doesn't even require that we test them, but we test them privately so that we can see where there are gaps and help them, you know, de-stress taking tests because they do it all the time once a year. And, um, Help us see, you know, measure growth areas or need areas so that we can teach them more effectively. And uh, every year we look at the kids and say, you know, does this one need to go to school or does this one need to stay or move up in the subject or come back in a subject or, or what have you? And that's been a really great model for us. So those are five of the things I loved, and uh, that's kind of how we got into homeschooling our kids, because we wanted to give them that opportunity to pursue learning, to be excited about exploring learning, to extend the innocence of childhood, to engage the world in a really holistic, um, self-driven way, and to provide flexibility for our family schedule so that we could enjoy more of life together. And we have done so much in terms of trips uh, and fun together, so I'll talk more about that in a second. When I look at how I wish we had done homeschool differently, none of this is meant to be a criticism of my parents. So I want to start out by saying that all of us learn as we go. Heaven's knows my kids are going to come back in 15 years And tell me what I could have done better. Um, So this is more about me trying to be reflective as I prepare to teach my kids or prepared in the very beginning. What did I love? What would I change? And how am I applying that now? And just sort of letting you in on some of that reflective process uh, because I think it's helpful for all of us to um, sit down and hear from somebody what worked and, and what didn't. A lot of, frankly, when I look at the internet of what's available to families learning how to homeschool is people offering advice who are homeschooling for the first time and have no prior experience either teaching or being homeschooled. And I love that I can share this gift of my personal history of having been homeschooled and um, what that was like, and then what it means to actually be on the parent side of the table now homeschooling our kids. And I realize now that I've I've jumped over one of the key parts of the story that I wanted to tell you, which hopefully you're still listening after this this point. But yes, I was homeschooled um, from early elementary up through seventh grade. I attended a a private school for eighth grade, and then I went to our local public high school for ninth through twelfth. And was able to transition in, um, ended up graduating valedictorian and and student body this and that, um, and went on to Stanford and Duke Universities. I have written three books on education that were bestsellers with Random House and then most recently published Homeschool Like an Expert, which you've seen. And then um, have been uh, taught priva- I'm sorry, taught privately, taught in public high schools, taught in military barracks, and then have been teaching my four kids since 2006. So I come to this conversation with an unusual perspective because homeschooling is relatively young, at least in this era, um, you know I realize it's been around thousands of years. But it, and in, our, in our most recent history, because it is young, there are not a lot of people who have the perspective of having been homeschooled who are homeschooling now, but who also have sandwiched in their professional education training and experience. And so I love being able to package all this together to share with families to make their journey easier. And so I'll get into more of that and how I want to do that at the end, but um, we'll, we'll use that. This, this is our uh, intermission and then we'll transition back <laughs> into the five things that you came for. So five things I wish we'd done differently. And then I want to talk about how I want to be available to help you in your own journey. So the first thing that I wish we had done differently and that we're trying to and certainly doing with our kids now is I wish I'd had more direction in developing an appetite for and finding great books. Um, My parents were great at encouraging reading. They had summer reading programs for us with incentives as kids. They were always reading to us. My mom read a lot of books aloud, actually, and my dad did too. They both did. Um, Everything from Lucretia Ann on the Oregon Trail to Chronicles of Narnia and to Kilimanjaro Talking Bird and Gifted Hands and Think Big and all kinds of great books, um, biographies, autobiographies, fiction. And um, I loved our reading times. This was before the age of audiobooks. And so I have a lot of special memories of that. But when it came to walking into the library doors and knowing where to head, uh, which stack to start in, I mean, yes, there's a card catalog, but I, I mean, how can you tell a good title from a bad title? especially as an, an elementary school student. Um, how do you know what's a good what, what makes a good book? Until you finish the book and go, oh, that was a good book. When you pick it up in your hands, how do you know what's going to be good or not? And so um, I wish that we had had more direction as kids in, in figuring out what makes for a great book and and how to and how to get them into our hands. So one of the things that I do for our kids now, and I describe in detail how to do this in um, homeschool like an expert, but I each spring I go through and look at um, a lot of the great award winners for kids' literature. And at some point I'll make this available on our website um, to to help parents. But I look at you know Caldecott, Newberry, and a lot of these books, and then I actually read the reviews on them because some books have won a lot of great re- awards, but they have they cover topics that I might think my kids are not emotionally mature enough to handle, like suicide or um, depression or I don't know a lot of death sorts of topics. So. So depending on where my kids are emotionally, I may or may not expose them to the book yet. I might save it for a later year, but I'll make up a list of possible books, um, assign a number that they can choose from that list, like please pick 20 books from this list and please definitely read these five books or something. And every summer I assign them this reading and in the process of doing that, I'm exposing them to great books. They're going to challenge them. They're going to make them think differently about what a book can be. It's going to expose them to somebody else's perspective. They may not have had, we have great conversations around them. And so that's one of the ways that I've taken that longing that I had as a child for um, greater reading material and been able to improve on that and take it one step further for my kids, building on what my parents did for me. The second thing that I wish my parents had done differently was I wish they had spent more time on science. Now, to their credit, there was actually very little curriculum available back when I was being homeschooled. It's actually almost illegal in some states to buy textbooks. There are stories of homeschoolers rifling through dumpsters um, at schools when they would pitch out old textbooks or trying to buy them on some kind of a black market um, because curriculum companies wouldn't sell to non-schools, which were homeschoolers. And so sometimes my mom would go to the drugstore and pick up some of those workbooks, you know, like those little cheesy, you know, math and reading workbooks and, and pick some of those up, just to have something to, to do with us. So many parents developed their own curriculum because there just wasn't anything out there otherwise. So when I say I wish we'd spent more time on science, you know, I, I take that with a massive grain of salt in that there just wasn't a lot there for my parents to choose from. That being said, um, my mom did a great job signing us up for what was one of my favorite memories of homeschooling I ever had, which was um, getting to sit in a college laboratory with about 10 other homeschool friends and a mom whose degree was in science. And every week we did our own animal dissection. So imagine being 11 and being paired up with your best friend who's 13 and you're each handed a scalpel and then a fetal pig, just the two of you. And you have these charts and these diagrams that you're going to work through and try to understand how this pig was made, what goes into it, how it works. It was fascinating. I, I absolutely loved it. Every week was, it was like a sheep's heart, a cow eye and a lung of another animal. It was just every week for a quarter. And, and it was incredible. It wasn't until I got to high school and even in college at Stanford that I realized how extraordinary that experience was that most of my peers dissected an earthworm in high school or a frog if they were lucky. But we really got to dive into science in the most literal way with our hands and fingers all in it. And and so that was such a powerful memory for me that I wish we could have done more of that. That was like the one time I really remember science being big, and the rest of the time it was kind of hit or miss. And so, you know, the, the, the second thing I wish we'd done differently was spend more time on science. I think what may... Um, Have helped is if my parents themselves felt really strong in science. And in many ways, they are great with science. But you know, like, what are the three major rock forms? I I don't think most people know what that is. So, mom, for example, being willing to jump into a subject, even if it's not her strong suit, to learn alongside us. Um, It would not have made me respect her less, but more because she'd be modeling for me that she's always learning. And that's something that definitely convicts me (laughs) as I'm teaching my own kids, because I don't remember everything that I would have learned in elementary through high school. Um, Most folks don't, unless you have an extraordinarily high IQ. And so when they ask questions like, why is the sky blue? It might take me like, "Let let me Google that and get right back to you, or hey, let's go get a bunch of books on it. Um, Or we'll do a whole unit on, on the sky uh, because they asked such a great question. Let's dive into it further and read these books together. So being willing to spend more time on science. Number three, um, spending more time, and this might sound a little wild, spending more time on personal style. I'm not talking about hygiene or cool points, but I'm talking about not dressing like a homeschooler. Um, And this goes beyond um, you know, budgets. I'm not talking about what we could afford or what we couldn't afford, but it, like my pictures as a teenager is if I have anything to do with it, will never, ever see the internet because, um, I just did not have any idea how to, I mean, I was modest in my attire, but I didn't understand anything about how to show who I was through my clothes, through my care of my hair makeup. I didn't even wear makeup until after my wedding. Um, not that, you know, makeup or clothes are the be all and end all, but I think in, in helping our kids learn who they are and explore who they are, um, style is very much a part of that. How do we want to express ourselves? And so I wish I had spent more time understanding how that can be important, both in making first impressions in how I perceive myself and how I respect myself um, and how I put myself out in the world. The fourth point is that I wish we could have gone internationally as a family. I was so hungry to explore the world and really it came down to work and budget constraints. So again, zero fault on my parents for this one at all. Um, But in the last 15 or 20 years, homeschoolers have gotten really creative about how to travel on very limited budgets as a family, how to go explore the world in really unique ways. Uh, There's one family on our podcast, um, which if you haven't had a chance to listen to them yet, um, please look for the podcast on this amazing bicycle ride. They took across the United States, a family of six, four kids under the age of, I want to say 10, um, could have been eight. And they sold their home in the Pacific Northwest and rode all over the United States for over a year, trying to decide where they wanted to live next. And they lived on very meager um, funds and used what they had saved in their home. And eventually, landed in a new place in the United States and found a job and and started a new life. And so. Like That's a totally out-of-the-box way of adventuring as a homeschool family that, that not all of us can do, I recognize. But there are also times I've heard of, of families, again, on um, small incomes, raising funds to go overseas and you know serve in an orphanage for three weeks in a country. Um, one family I have a lot of respect for with five kiddos. Somewhere around the early teen years, the parents would allow the teenager to select a country, and they would use that school year to understand everything could they could about the country the language, the history, the art, the culture you know you name it and then they would go to that country and not just not just be a tourist but they would go and serve in that country they'd find some area of need that was practical and tangible that they could do and and dive in as a way of getting to know the people for who they really were and hearing the language and trying to learn the language with them and, and be involved, um, and making learning again, really tangible. Like you want to talk about a kinesthetic learning experience, that is it. So, um, being able to go internationally. Um, and then five is kind of my fifth point is kind of similar to that, but finding ways to serve as a family together. We, um, we did a little bit of that. I mean, we, we certainly served as a family locally, um, with taking meals to people or helping clean a yard for someone who was unable to clean their own yard and wanted help or, you know, those sorts of afternoon jobs, but to take on a large, you know, lengthy service project together would have been really, um, incredible to have that mile marker of a family of, remember when we did this big thing. And I wish we could have done something like that. So for us, uh, me as the the parent now, one of our mile markers is we trained all of our four kids in some basic carpentry skills and joined a ministry down in Mexico that was building homes, um, for single moms who didn't have a place to live. They were literally in tin shacks that were lean tos And so we, um, uh, were able to raise money for the building materials and for our own way. And we went down and, and built them. So if you're, you know, astute, you're, you're asking yourself, how can a four-year-old possibly (laughs) be helpful in building a house and not actually making the project take longer? Yes, there is some of that in that when, you know, you invite a family with kids to come build a house, it may not be the most expedient project. Um, but what they learned uh, as far as, um, how to perceive culture, how to understand need, how to be compassionate to others, how to work hard. Uh, We got up and worked 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. We were all dirty and hot and stinky together and really pushed everybody out of their comfort zones. And then at the end of the week to to meet the families um, who were moving in, to see their joy, and to bring that back home with us was incredible. And my kids worked hard. At one point, the four-year-old looked up at me while she's hammering siding into the house. Um, you know, all of the adult supervision, but the kids worked. They were paired off with adults. She looks up at me and says, mom, this is way more fun than cleaning my room. And I just loved that. So um, finding ways to do service projects together uh, in, and more of them would have been great. So those are my five things I loved about homeschooling. And five things I wish um, we'd done differently when I was a kid and how we're sort of trying to build on that uh, even now and take what my parents have built in us one step further. Now for the last bit that I wanted to talk with you about. So one of the questions I regularly get from media when I go through interviews is why am I calling myself a homeschool expert? And you get some of that in my story when I talk about being homeschooled, homeschooling my kids now, but then also having a teaching degree and having educated in a number of different formats professionally uh, and writing books on education, right? That's all in there. But one of the reasons uh, I built Homeschool Expert was because I've been in this community so long. I've seen one consistent theme play out year after year after year in families. Do you know what that theme is? <laughs> that theme is, I don't think I'm doing it right. There's this nagging fear in the hearts of parents. I don't think I'm doing it right. I'm trying so hard. It just doesn't seem to be working. Um, you, you talk to parents who've been homeschooling and so many of them take anywhere from five to eight years just to feel like they've got their sea legs. It is really hard to homeschool, especially if you have Um, No background in homeschooling. And I'm not saying no background in teaching because professional teaching, uh, as any parent who's a professional teacher now homeschooling will tell you, is completely different sounds like it should be the same. It really isn't the same. They both have textbooks and that's about it. Um, Homeschooling is so different and it takes a long time to figure out things like how do I run a daily schedule and what do I do with multiple kids from the same age and how long should we be studying during the day and how can recess be used appropriately and how do I push my kid as their parent and their teacher but not push them so hard they, they know I still love them and what about tests and grades? How should I be thinking about that? And what do the universities think about? You know, my kid is a homeschooler and am I ruining their lives by homeschooling them? Like, all these worries and, and questions and confusions every single parent faces. Now, part of the challenge is because our kids are unique, we think our problems are unique. But really, these problems are, are the same challenges that all homeschool families face. They just manifest slightly differently in one home to another because there are the uniquenesses in our individuals. But the challenges themselves are the same. And so after spending decades in the homeschooling world, listening to the same questions over and over and watching parents flounder in the same ways, I thought there's got to be a better way. And so I went out and looked at the resources in our community that we were making available. And there are a lot of great homeschool resources that are faith-based, devoted to the discipleship of the hearts of our kids, right? How do we raise them up to have a worldview that resonates with what we believe is true and right? What kind of citizens do we want them to be? How do we want them to be involved in making the world a better place? There was a lot of that, which is extraordinarily valuable, and so this does not in any way mean to undermine it. But there wasn't a lot of practical, that day-to-day of like how to organize a school box and what should be in it to actually make me make the time go more efficiently. How do I deal with a toddler and a teenager at the same time and their learning differences? Um, that kind of nitty-gritty just wasn't there. Like parents would have to go to workshops and spend weekends listening to 40 different speakers on 25 different topics. And then they'd have to take all that information and sort of condense it and then try to create some sort of working theory and then go practice it at home and then find the problems and like rework it. And re- And it was, it's so hard and it doesn't have to be that hard. And so, um, I, what I began to do was interview, Um, homeschool families who had raised their kids well, who had graduated high school and college and gone on to be the kinds of adults we hope all of our kids will be someday. And I went and sat down with these families and said, what did you do? Well, what do you wish you'd done differently? Like, can you teach me? And I, and I took all this information. I bounded up with my own experience, not only teaching in the public school system and in the military barracks, but also being homeschooled myself. And then I practiced it for years with my own kids to see like, how could I create something that any family can use from any budget, any education background, any culture, any belief system, any curriculum, how could I build something practical that's going to help parents teach from home and help them teach in a way that the education community will respect and that will also be life-giving to the parents and a joy to the kids as they're all learning together. That that was my aim. And so I spoke to my publisher about this because I had already um, published three books through random house at this point. And they said, we'd love for you to write a homeschool book now. And at that point, my oldest was third grade. And I said, no, I'd, I'd like to wait. Like I, I, they, they told me I was crazy. Whoever turns down a publisher, but I did. I said, I said, let's wait because I'd like to get my oldest through, you know, like into high school so I can see the full range of what we're dealing with, transition them into a public school, understand that whole process so that I can really help parents practically with the whole spectrum. And so uh, I finished that out and the timing of my eldest beginning high school coincided within about a year or so of COVID. Um, And and so this all just kind of came together at the same time where as I was writing this book on homeschooling, we began to hear this word COVID for the first time. And as I began to talk to parents, so many parents were trying to figure out homeschooling in a hurry. Many were saying, I'm not going to have time to read a book. Uh, what do you have that's faster? And so I took Homeschool Like an Expert, which was the book. I put it on pause. I developed a video course so that parents can just throw in earbuds. And um, each video is like 15 minutes, give or take five minutes. And they can take it little bit by little bit. It's got printable handouts that go along with it and um, and take it bite size at a time so that if you added the entire video course up together, it takes less time to watch it than it would a superhero movie. There's even like one video in the series called The Quick Start Guide that's 23 minutes, I want to say. And you could just watch that and be ready for school on Monday. You'd watch that on Friday and be ready to homeschool on Monday um, because it'll get you started that quickly. And so I went back and I finished the book. And, and then parents started responding saying, you know, but where do I ask questions? And it's like, okay, so we'll have a Dear Ann site on the webpage so that parents can send in questions on a regular basis and I'll answer them live. These are real parents with real questions that go up there. Um, and then parents said, great, how can we talk to other really famous homeschoolers or authors or politicians or whoever on subjects that impact us as we're trying to homeschool? Super. So now I've got this podcast series. I think this may be episode 24 or 25. I don't know where we are in the lineup at this point. Um, But bringing in all these great minds on education, parents, experienced homeschoolers, people who have been homeschooled themselves, so you can hear their story of what worked and what didn't, and trying to build a nexus. It's all in one place so that if parents are new to homeschooling or if they've been homeschooling for years and want additional resources and support, you can come to one place and again it's it's um respective uh, it's respectful of all backgrounds and all budgets and all beliefs and all curriculums you can come here and say okay where do i find free curriculum resources for all people how do i figure out how to homeschool legally where can i get articles on the latest of what is happening In homeschooling and read them for free without having to pay for a subscription. So we're giving away as as much of homeschool expert as we absolutely can, um, recognizing that at the time of this recording, there are 40 million students learning from home right now, either remote learning through their public schools, traditional homeschooling, doing some sort of charter version. 40 million kids—that's the entire population of California. We did a national survey this summer to, to understand what the need was. And when we talked to parents, 42 so percent—almost half of them—were saying, "I don't feel capable of homeschooling." Um, and so, you know, trying to put this all together and package this all together so that parents could really feel confident teaching their kids at home. Because at the end of the day, nobody loves your kids more than you do. And it comes down to if you can get. Access to the best content or the right resources, or know how to outsource what you don't feel comfortable teaching, you can give your child a great education at home. And Homeschool Expert is here to help you. I have, like I said, this is not just my own experiences, I've brought in the experiences of hundreds of successful homeschool families. I've talked to psychologists and therapists and behavioral analysts and educational professionals. There's a long list of characters that I've spoken with to develop this course to help parents homeschool well. And so I hope you'll take advantage of it. Um, My heart is to be supportive of you, to help you in your journey. And I would love for you to reach back out With any questions you have, if there's a way that we can support you better here at Homeschool Expert, um, or if you have positive stories of what's going on in your world, please follow me on Facebook, um, uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever your favorite social media account is. We've got them all listed on homeschoolexpert.com, so you can click them there. Or you can follow me personally if you go to my webpage and crossman.com at the homeschoolexpert.com uh, social links. I tend to post a lot of articles from the media, continually bringing te- attention to what's happening in the homeschool world. And on my personal social, I like to give out regular tips about free resources, something you can try with your students. This week, I just posted uh, two resources we created at home that you can easily make for dyslexic uh, students because um, some of my kids have special learning needs and we're always trying to stay tuned to how we can help students from all need levels. So thank you for following homeschool expert. I hope this will help you in your educational journey so that you can continue to teach the ones you love. See you next time. Thanks for joining and Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from experts. You can do this and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.